I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport from Wimbledon. My name is David Law. I'm joined by Catherine Whitaker, who this week is a colleague of mine on BBC Radio 5 Live. We are back together, Catherine, after you solo did the French Open podcast, after I was banished from all of the Queen's Aegon Championships ones. I'm back. I'm back, Catherine Whittaker. You've been speaking to everybody under the sun. Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, John McEnroe, Victoria Azarenka, Petra Gavita. We're going to be hearing from all of them here on this preview edition of the Tennis Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, David. Yes, nobody has escaped my clutches this week. I'm very pleased to report. We're going to hear from all of them on the podcast. Uh, They were all in very fine form. You'll note that I haven't spoken to Andy Murray. That's because he did his uh, pre-tournament press just a few hours ago and just a couple of hours after announcing that he and his wife Kim are expecting uh, their second child, which... Is, I suspected that, David. I I, I kept you? it to myself, but yes, I did. Wow, why? How? I saw Kim in the players' lounge at Queen's, and I thought she looked pregnant. Blimey! And I'm not very. I'm not a great secret keeper, so. Finally, finally, I've been able to say yes. Right. I was right. Okay. Well, news to me. She was just wearing floaty clothes. And as as a female, to, a, to I, you don't usually see her in such floaty attire. <laughs> right. Anyway, there we go. I'm going to be looking out for floaty oh, clothes. My, in hereafter. my new career as a detective, yeah. is only days away. Wow, Catherine Whittaker and I are sitting overlooking Court 14 currently at uh, Wimbledon, and more specifically, Catherine, just a few meters away from us. We can't even see him because there are so many bodies crowded around him just at the moment. But Mr. Novak Djokovic, fresh from Eastbourne, is sitting just behind Mats Valander, who's got his back to us, uh, preparing to do an interview for, for Eurosport. I think uh, currently Novak is speaking to our colleague Russell Fuller for, for the BBC, an interview no doubt you'll be able to hear on Five Live over the next uh, 24 hours or so. But he is in a pretty good place suddenly, it feels, having made that decision to go to Eastbourne. That seems to have been a good one 
Yeah, Mats Verlander is currently obscuring my view of Novak Djokovic. That's that's as first of all the problem as they come, isn't it? Um, he looks very, very relaxed. He looks to have a nice tan, Novak Djokovic. Is he the first man ever to get a tan from a week in Eastbourne? I think maybe he had a base tan before <laughs> think, he turned up. I think he likely did have a base tan. A fantastically good decision. I, I still find it a bizarre one. Still just, just the words Novak Djokovic in Eastbourne tickle me a bit. But... Yeah, a really great decision. He's won a tournament. He's got some confidence. Look, whether it turns out to be Wimbledon winning confidence very much remains to be seen, but it will have topped up his tank a little bit. His canister. His canister, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not his physical canister, but his mental canister will have been topped up just a little bit as a result of last week. And he did play some decent... Decent opponents. I mean, the yeah. tournament organisers will have been beside themselves with the djokovic Monfils final, won't they? No, they will have been absolutely chuffed to bits. And uh, no, I saw that some of the final uh, between him and Monfils, he was never really in any trouble at all. He certainly looks fresh again, which is the, the, the most important thing. The big question mark comes for Djokovic. And how many times this year have we said, I think that's it, I think he's back, I think he feels, it feels like he's himself again, and then he's run into somebody or he's run into a situation, a best of five or whatever it might have been. And, I mean, the French Open is not that long ago when he, he suffered that horrible straight sets defeat and just looked a shadow of himself. So, you know, until he gets into the, the nitty-gritty of this tournament, we're not going to really know, are we? But I, I think he, this might be the turning point. Yeah, I've decided that we need to stop thinking about it and analysing it in terms of him suddenly snapping back to where he was, something just clicking into gear. I don't think it's going to be like that He's got a new coach, another new one, Mario Ancic. Yeah, I I mean, I like the sound of that. I still find it a little bit bizarre. I mean, he'll probably be great. Mario Ancic, great player, fantastic mind, fantastic thinker. It's still completely out of left field, though, isn't it? I hadn't heard his name mentioned in relation to coaching anybody let alone Djokovic I like left field coaching appointments I'm still hoping I mean, that maybe I'll get what I mean is it's just all very left field isn't it a trip to Eastbourne Mario Ancic is your coach it's just all he's really keeping us on our toes we understand that Andre Agassi will be here this week I still have my question marks over the formality of that agreement over whether that really is a coaching relationship you know you're, you're defending champion at the French Open and you're essentially what some people have called tanking your way out of that match whether it was an actual tank I I, I don't know but John McEnroe certainly accused him in that third set of tanking his way out of a quarter final and your coach your big name superstar coach isn't there I have my question marks about that whole relationship I want it to be real I want it to be the the real deal, but he's coming. Isn't he's he? coming. He's, he's coming. coming. Old Andre. Apparently we know he's, he's coming because of how many sponsor commitments he's got lined up. <laughs> and, and he's been seen already on the practice courts next to Mario Ancic and Novak Djokovic, who has just given Mats Valander a big hug, and they're about doing an interview just at the moment. And Catherine Whitaker, you have spent the last few days interviewing all sorts of people, as we said, because you've been here at Orangi Park, you've been there for Eurosport, getting interviews. Novak obviously being in Eastbourne is one of the few that you haven't spoken to you have seen Roger Federer's arrival you have been speaking to Roger Federer let's listen to it Roger I remember you being asked before the Australian Open about being an underdog there and you said you were quite relishing that prospect you're not going to be an underdog at Wimbledon this year how are you feeling about that? 
Yeah, things change very quickly, but uh, no, I feel good that I'm healthy again. You know, that uh, the last uh, five months have been good ones, you know, where I didn't have any setbacks physically. So uh, the goal was always to be at 100% when Wimbledon comes around, and I feel I am. So that's where I wanted to be. Then who, the, who is the favorite and who's not is secondary to me. Um, Got to get through that first week somehow because the grass plays very different the first week. It's different conditions. You don't know the draw yet as we speak. So it's a lot of the unknown. But uh, look, I'm, I'm very excited. I overheard Rafael Nadal this morning talking about, to Sasha Zverev about how impressed he was with you in the Halle final. He's obviously threatened by your form on grass. Do you see him as your main rival? Yeah, I mean... Andy, Rafa and Novak, you know, I think are the clear favourites to me, you know, um, because Rafa is coming off a, an unbelievable run with dominating clay again. And what he did at the French Open was just unreal. So, of course, he's going to come here with uh, a lot of confidence. Yeah, OK, maybe he doesn't have the matches uh, to back himself up here on the grass, but he's playing exhibition tennis this week. He's practicing like he normally does in a big way. So he's going he's gonna to be very tough to beat here. And I think Novak's going to pick up his game eventually. You know, he's doing everything he can right now in Eastbourne. Um, whatever happens there happens, but he's going to be tough to beat here. And then once he gets rolling and he gets into the second week, then things um, going to look very different around Novak and also um, how you guys are going to speak about him maybe or how the players are going to think about him. And the same thing for Andy. I think that first week is going to be really crucial for all four of us guys. And then behind us, there's a whole bunch of group, of, uh, a great bunch of group of guys that I think can do... Great, great, great runs and results here at Wimbledon. So there's Catherine talking to Roger Federer. I mean, he sounds in fantastic shape physically and mentally to me. I mean, you know, what? there's nothing to worry about with the guy, is there? No, I mean, I've seen him have some slightly dodgy practices this week at really? Wimbledon. Yeah, I Why? have. How? Well, he showed up for the first time on Tuesday, and, and to be honest, it was a deeply wet and miserable day. Uh, he was booked into practice at 3 o'clock, only hit for 37 minutes of that, very, very gentle, and then I decided to leave the practice courts and um, go home for the evening, as far as I can tell. Mike gone to the gym, but it certainly didn't continue to practice after That's that. That's my kind of practice. That's my, yeah, exactly. It was so spectacularly laid back. It was just so effortlessly Roger Federer. Um, and then the next day, he had a slightly more rigorous hit, but nothing major. And then it was on Thursday that I saw him hitting down on court 14, one of the outside courts, they, they make the outside courts available for short practices to the top seeds here and they tend to prefer to practice there because they play more like the courts that they'll be playing their matches on. So he hit on court 14 and it was he was shanking all over the place, really? particularly on the backhand. But then I saw Rafael Nadal, who's been practicing like a beast all week. I know we'll hear from him and talk about him in a minute. Practicing like an animal. We're talking four or five hours a day, every day, and fantastic practices as well. I saw him out on court 14 yesterday morning, and he was having a pretty horrible practice as well. It was the first time I'd seen him really frustrated and down on himself all week. He actually um, hit a ball out in anger. Uh, and I saw him tossing his racket into his bag and just generally looking pretty frustrated with life. So it could all be Court 14's fault and nothing to do yeah, with the players I mean, themselves. If, and if I, I have a feeling that neither Nadal nor Federer will be scheduled on Court 14 throughout the fortnight. Unless it's we have just really a hunch. bad rain. It's just a hunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're probably all right. Well, I, if I have a bad podcasting day, I'm definitely blaming... <laughs> 
court 14. Apparently, and I, who, who was I? Sp- I spoke to somebody next to the court who seemed to know a little bit more, or was certainly pretending to know a little bit more than me, and they said court 14 is a particularly soft court. Right. So it could be something to do with that. I mean, yeah. we're clutching at straws here, but yeah. There we go. But Court 14. But certainly... I've seen less of Federer practicing than anyone else, but he got those matches in in Halle, so perhaps he just yeah, doesn't he, need yes. to. And you mentioned to to, uh, to Roger there about Rafa talking to to Zverev about the form that he showed in that final, and also it's interesting to hear Federer talking about the. Uh, the, the, the rivals that he expects to have that he, he expects it to be the usual suspect, one of which is Rafa Nadal, Catherine's been speaking to him as well, fresh from victory at Roland Garros and Catherine asked him what he's been doing since then, how he reflects upon it Rafa, this is the first time we've seen you since Paris a few weeks ago, how long did you give yourself to appreciate and enjoy that experience and that achievement before focusing your attention here? Yeah, was... Um of course, after a couple of months playing with uh, you know, a lot of emotions, playing a lot of matches, uh, obviously I need a couple of days not to, you know, your body goes down and you need to rest, you need to stay a little bit with your people, and that's what I did. So very happy about what happened, obviously, but at the same time, um, in our sport, there is not much time to, to, to relax and to rest. You know? So I take a couple of days, but I start working again, and, uh, you know, uh, Wimbledon is so important for me too so I, I wanted to be ready for it and I think I tried the the best uh, things possible to be ready. You've been practicing so so hard this week, is that a real sign of your intent to reclaim the title here? I don't know, no. I, I have been working hard, a minimum three hours per day and that's uh, the, that's my goal, try to to be competitive from the beginning of the tournament. No, I know the first round, second round, if you are able to be through in the first, it's going to be so dangerous. No, For me, it's, you know, I have been out uh, of the tournament very soon, a couple of times on, on the last couple of years. And I didn't play a match here for a couple of years. Uh, so it's going to be very dangerous at the beginning of the tournament and I need to be ready. I have been playing well since the beginning of the season. It's, that's true, no? but uh, at the same time, it's true that here the shoot phrase is completely different. No? And uh, as, I tell, as I said before, no? I can use this confidence if I'm able to, to be through at the beginning. But um, first, first match, and uh, yeah, it's, anything can happen. So I need to be ready to, to accept all the challenges that are going to present me and just try to be, to be ready to, to compete with the highest. Uh, motivation possible and the, the best attitude. So Nadal doesn't give much away, does he? It's a very different type of interview. It always is, isn't it, to the one that Federer gives? Said quite a lot without giving anything much away. Ever so charming, you know, really a real delight to interview. But yeah, you come away from it and you think, oh, he's said a lot there. And then you sort of replay it in your mind and you realise he's just been delightful without giving you anything at all which is a real skill actually <laughs> one that he's been honing for the last what is it 15 years or so of being on tour I found it interesting how quickly he said he turned his mind to Wimbledon I know he spent some days fishing and I'm pleased that he allowed himself at least a few days to appreciate what he achieved in in Paris in the French Open and, and I've said I think that's something that that Djokovic has struggled with since winning in Paris last year there was no time to reflect upon it at all before he knew it he was here at Wimbledon having to defend 
another title you know you, there's there's no time to just sit back and appreciate what you've done you're constantly having to achieve the next thing and then getting no time to appreciate that next thing either so yes. i'm pleased i don't think the motivation is going to be an issue for for nadal at all i think he is up for this big time i think oh, the bigger I question can confirm mark, he's up for it big time the I've problem seen... is the the, the 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 court surface and the trans the transition really yeah, absolutely. He's been playing without the knee supports. We've seen him with knee supports in all previous years in, in at Wimbledon. Of course, we didn't see him here last year. Look, we both talk a lot on the podcast about how we think people read too much into practice. I can't tell you necessarily how brilliantly he's striking the ball. I mean... He's, of course, he's striking the ball brilliantly. He's Rafael Nadal, and he's a tennis player for a living. Exactly. Who's like the best? I can, in I can the world, tell you, everyone's been striking the ball brilliantly. Yeah. Um, but he certainly looked hungry as anything, fantastically motivated, and so businesslike. You know, when you spend a lot of time at Orangi, the practice court complex as I have done this week you realize how different players are in practice how lots of them are really light-hearted on the practice court really doing joking around with with their teams and trying to keep it light and upbeat Rafael Nadal is so serious and business-like you know he, as soon as he comes off the court you might do some laughing and joking with Uncle Tony or with Benito his agent but on the court absolutely none of it it is all business one thing interestingly that I really wanted to have the chance to ask him about uh in my interview with him but didn't have the chance because he was so fantastically in demand understandably so Carlos Moya not here with them this fortnight and isn't going to be with him this fortnight Nadal confirmed that me confirmed that to me himself I don't believe there's anything much to read into it other than that Carlos Moya doesn't know that much about winning Wimbledon and uh, feels that he'd be better off spending some time with his family perhaps yeah well you could understand that couldn't you uh one person we haven't spoken to or you haven't spoken to is Andy Murray because as you said he hasn't he hadn't spoken to the media when you were down here for Eurosport he has since confirmed that he is fit to play that he the the hip problem that he's been reporting and forced him out of a couple of exhibitions he he's barely been reporting it it's us lot that have been reporting it we've been stalking him haven't we well, if you think you we've been stalking... Did you see the, that Sun front page earlier this week, David? I did see that, yeah. There was actually a front... For any non-British uh, people listening, you'll think this is utter madness, but this is what we tabloid newspapers do in this country. <laughs> yeah, but there was a picture of Andy Murray showcasing his, his hip, his, his injured hip. He didn't even say injured, did he? He just said sore. That's all he said, I've got a sore hip. And we know these guys are sort of sore everywhere. They're generally just sore. But anyway, he said, I've got a sore hip, pulled out of a scheduled exhibition match at the Hurlingham Club and subsequently pulled out from the rescheduled match on Friday as well and had a couple of days off from the practice court. But they they showed him on the front page, circled his hip, and a well-known... He was described as a faith healer, Uri Geller, uh, encouraged the nation to rub the image of Andy Murray's hip at precisely 3.40pm that day to bring him good vibes. And apparently this was something that was done back in 2002 prior to the World Cup in Japan and South Korea uh, regarding uh, David Beckham's broken metatarsal. And didn't we go out unceremoniously to Brazil... Um, that year think so, to, yeah. with a well, Ronald, no, Ronaldinho um, free kick that right. wasn't a free well wasn't a shot on goal anyway 
Um, that is the extent of the lunacy surrounding Andy Murray's sore hip, hip this gate. week. Yeah. I mean, every day I've been doing pieces to camera, reporting on Andy Murray's hip. I feel a bit, it's a bit intrusive. Uh, Need to should, leave his hip alone. Tell you what, should we find out what John McEnroe makes of it all? Well, first of all, that was an exhibition, right? So that doesn't mean anything. So um, I think it's, uh, that falls under the category of better safe than sorry. But I would be absolutely amazed if he didn't play, unless he's done something in the last couple of days that I'm unaware of that's serious. But um, I think at this point, uh, to, if you're feeling a little stiff or sore, you don't want to go out and risk anything um, unnecessarily when you get to go on the center court of Wimbledon as a defending champion. And with Murray potentially not 100%, who do you see as the favorites? Well, I see Roger as a favorite. I mean, Roger's had an unbelievable year. I mean, what he did at Australia was uh, one of the great accomplishments uh, that I've seen in tennis <laughs> ever, uh, as long as I've ever watched it. And it seems tough to top, but if anyone could do it, it'd be him. But I'm assuming, uh, based on my somewhat fairly decent knowledge of tennis, that there should be some hungry guys, uh, not the top four, because we all assume myself included that one of those guys is going to win it even though some of these guys have been struggling uh but there's other guys that could step up and and you know really establish themselves so there's a lot of reason to be hope that that will happen so john mckinner there uh in dismissing the idea that missing the, the odd exhibition is is going to be a problem but very clearly believing that Roger Federer is the favorite for this title what do you think who have you picked to win it I've picked Roger Federer to win it I think he's absolutely the bookies favorite to win it I think he's loving being the favorite as much as we saw him relishing being the underdog in Australia or claiming to relish it you know there was that wonderful line saying it's a great draw just because I'm in the draw uh, I think here he's relishing being the favourite again I really really do for him it must feel like just being back precisely where he belongs I think to completely dismiss the Andy Murray hip soreness is a step too far and certainly to dismiss how undercooked he is going I'm concerned about it on his behalf I mean he he has been limping around I remember him limping around at Queen's he just doesn't feel quite right to me Um, now that may all change He, he may as we saw at the French Open, just get get rolling. And there's enough time. There's, you know, you're talking about best of five set matches. You're talking about two weeks. It may be enough um, to, to, to get sorted. But I don't know. I, I have my doubts. Yeah, I have my doubts too. Look, in terms of his demeanour during practice, they've been better than those pre-French Open practices when I was you know, pretty horrified by what I saw, particularly on that one practice out on Suzanne Longland Court. They've certainly been better than that. He's been grimacing, but you know, that, that's pretty normal for Andy Murray to do He's the grimacing. hardest man to read in tennis, he is, isn't and, he? And as he enters the practice court and leaves, he's looked spectacularly relaxed really really sunny in his demeanor and then he steps on the court and starts grimacing particularly as he stretches out for his backhand and all suddenly doesn't look well and he was I think it was on Monday that we were watching his practice and he was having to push himself up the off the floor with his racket you know he couldn't stand up unaided he was using his racket as a walking stick so I just don't know. I think to dismiss it altogether as a factor is silly. I think it is a concern. I don't think it's the level of concern of requiring a faith healer. I'm not sure anything ever is. No, fair point. (laughs) I'm going to go and have a cup of tea and then let's just talk about the women's draw. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Right, replenished, tea had. That's what you have to do in this country, isn't it, Catherine Whittaker? Um, and uh, now the women's draw is uh, is just fascinating, isn't it? And it is headlined by the two people we're going to hear from in this edition of the Tennis Podcast here at Wimbledon. Catherine has been speaking to Victoria Azarenka. And first, a very warm welcome back to Petra Kvitova. Petra, it is so wonderful to see you here at the WTA party and at Wimbledon in general. Is it a special feeling for you as well? It is a very special feeling for me. I'm a bit emotional sometimes, so it's uh, it's amazing to be here. I, you know, when that happened, I was always trying to be here from Wimbledon in that right time, and uh, now even I already played a few events before, so it's much more special for me right now. Exactly, you're coming in here as the champion from Birmingham. How much did that exceed your expectations for your comeback? Well, not really. I mean, I have no expectation. I just came to play, to have um, more matches I can. But on the other hand, I'm not setting any goals to be far in tournament or whatever. I'm just here in the moment and just playing match, match my match. We have quite a lot of players in tennis at the moment making comebacks of various types. Yours is obviously very individual. Do you feel like a different person? Do you feel like this is a second phase of your career? Yeah, I do. I, I call it as my second career uh, after my comeback. Um, yeah, I do feel a different person as well. I think I'm more mature, more grateful for everything that's happening in the, in the day, for example. And I'm seeing the tennis a little bit different as well. And day you think about what you might be capable of over the next fortnight or is it just match by match and enjoying being here? Yeah, it's just enjoying to be back in Olympic Club, which I do have the best memories from my career, and I really enjoy everything. And uh, I was really looking forward to to come back on the court and play um, in Wimbledon again. We are so enjoying seeing you back, Petra. Best of luck. Thank you very much. Just nice to have her back, Catherine. Yeah, it's just so, you get a warm, fuzzy feeling speaking to her. There's just this 
glow around her. I still can't believe any of it. I can't believe she's coming here as the Birmingham champion. I can't believe she's playing tennis still not with full sensation in her racket hand. I just can't believe that. I can't believe she had that extensive a surgery. That she was stabbed on her effectively hand, six know, months ago. It, it, six months ago. Six I, months. I didn't. I didn't think she'd be back. I didn't. I really didn't think she'd be back playing to any kind of level. I thought she might attempt to come back. I, I, I did not, in my wildest dreams, envisage this. And and it's. I don't know. It feels sort of rare in the world at the moment that things surprise you for the better. Everything always turns out to be so much worse than you fear, and this is something that's turned out to be so so much better. I have my doubt. I think people are perhaps getting a bit carried away about her winning it here, um, in all honesty. But I'm picking her to win it. I haven't even looked at the draw oh, yet. Oh, well, I think David Law's getting a bit carried yeah. away about her winning the thing. Are you really picking her to win it? Well, hold on. I've still got about 12 to 16 hours left to make my predictions before the start of play. Um, so I've got to finalise those. But as things stand, I'm probably going to be picking Petra Kvitova for the title. Interesting one, that. I've not got her in my quarterfinals. Which doesn't feel right, but do you know what? I cannot tell you how difficult I found. I mean, I found them particularly difficult in both, in both the men's and the women's, but the, the women's, I, do, I mean, I've got Ostapenko in the semi-finals. I don't know why. I'm not sure I really think Ostapenko's making the is semi-finals. Is that Joe Conter in your final? I've got Joe Conter in the final. The thing is, I did it by going through the draw and going through individual matches and seeing who I thought would come through. I didn't start off thinking, right, I think Joe Conter's going to make the final. But then I've gone through the matches and that's what I've come out with. But it... I don't know. It doesn't there, feel right. I've submitted them now. You have. Well, you can't go back now. Well, you can, actually can. You've got about 16 hours to go back. It's all a bit of a shot in the dark, isn't it? We were just at our Not for me. pre-tournament um, Five Live briefing and there was a really uh, well-explained point um, from the editor about the stories on the women's side and, and encouraging us to bring those stories and highlight them and explain them to an audience that perhaps isn't aware of them. You know, the audience will be aware of Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova and they'll go, huh, they're not there. Who's this Simona Halep that keeps losing in French Open finals? Why should I be interested in her? Who's this Yelena Ostapenko? Why have I never heard of her? You know, Serena Williams, uh, Venus Williams, she's still around, you know. There are great stories in this draw, and they deserve to be told. Um, yeah. Which one of them is going to come out on top? I haven't a clue. No, it's fascinating. Well, another person I can see on your draw grid there is Victoria Azarenka. Another people, another of the people that Catherine has been speaking to and asking about what it is like to be back with her son Leo in tow. I missed the competition, but it was a good reason for me to, to miss the Wimbledon last year, and I'm happy to be back and, uh, you know, continue to do what I love to do and um, alongside of, with my son. So it's, it's really fun, and I'm happy to be back, you know, get some practice days um, this, this week, and, um, yeah, continue to go for it. We've seen you down at the practice courts. Your son Leo has been alongside, kind of watching. Does it feel like a completely different experience being on the tour with him here? Well, in a way, yes. You know, anything in between practice, it feels different. Obviously, you know, uh, bringing him to the side and him watching. and But on the court, I've, it still feels the same to me. I still, you know, work hard and still focus. So um, that, that part didn't change, but it's just more fun after the practice then and after the matches. And in terms of the tennis and your comeback, do you set yourself goals or is it just about 
taking it one match at a time at this early stage? Well, I definitely have goals, but always taking one one uh, time, uh, one match at a time because it's uh, it's long two weeks. Anything can happen, and you know, so we just have to always stay present, stay focused. And uh, throughout two weeks, it's not easy. So I I know I know that feeling, and uh, I just want to enjoy, you know, enjoy enjoy to play, enjoy to fight, enjoy to work hard. Can I ask what the goals are here at Wimbledon? Well, the the goals are always to win, and then you know, see what happens. Well, best of luck. Thank you. So Victoria Azarenka back as well. I, I don't think she is a contender for this title. I think it's going to take her a bit longer. The, the grass has never been her favourite surface, I don't think. I think she could be a real contender come the US Open. I've got her losing in the quarterfinals to Joe Conta. Again, I don't feel fantastically confident about that. I, I think she's undercooked. She's certainly downplaying expectations in a way that Petra Kvitova isn't here I think uh, given what happened in Mallorca yes she won a match and uh, but and she she didn't play horribly but she, she knows she's rusty it's been a glorious sight to see her on the practice court she's had her baby son Leo out watching her most days he's been sat what I say watching I suspect his attention span isn't yet sufficient to actually just sit and watch it all but he's he's been there courtside for all of her practices which has been really nice also I can report she's a fan of the Putney Exchange, David. Is she a fan of the podcast? I saw her in the Putney Exchange. Really? She might have just been doing a tennis podcast tourist trail. Well, probably. <laughs> Let's be honest. That's what most people do, really. If they've heard of the Putney Exchange, it's because of us. There she was with her boyfriend, with the baby, looking as normal as anything with their shopping bags in the Putney Exchange. It was a lovely sight. Ah. Oh. Fantastic. Right, well, Catherine Whitaker, I, I know we've got lots more to talk about. We're not going to do it in this particular edition because I've got to go and talk on the radio. David's right got now. to go and hobnob on yeah. the players' lawn. I've got to go and hobnob on the players' lawn. So we'll get into all the other subjects that we need to cover. We'll talk about the rest of the draw in our daily show here from Wimbledon. And uh, hold on a minute, Catherine Whitaker is alerting my attention to something. Well, no, I'm asking if you've got five minutes, David, because I feel like we should at least mention the order of play for the first time. Oh, go on then. Order of play. Well, of course, it's Andy Murray kicking things off against Alexander Bublik. Have you got time for me to tell you a little story about Alexander Bublik and what a fantastically confident human being he is? Do. Uh, he uh, was playing final round of qualies, which he actually lost, uh, but ended up getting in as a lucky loser. And uh, he was standing, he was, I think it was a set and a break up. And uh, because it looked like he was going to qualify, the camera crews went down there to get some uh, some footage of him uh, for the coverage. As soon as he saw a camera crew there, he tried to hit three tweeners in three consecutive <laughs> points. And he started showboating like you would not believe, looking over, like looking over at the camera after every single shot. What he's going to be like on centre court tomorrow, I cannot imagine. He's certainly not going to be cowed by the occasion. Yeah, there's a great piece way. in the Telegraph talking about what he's like reporting his press conference, which apparently went on for 18 minutes. It was just a little chat before his first match against Andy Murray. And he was saying, you know, I, I don't go in with a strategy. I don't believe in that. I just play how I feel. You know, whatever comes, comes. He's a confident chap. Yeah. Let's put it that way. He's a real breath of fresh air. He's very interesting. He asked Andy Murray, do I call you sir? <laughs> Yeah, she said that on camera to Andy Murray, and Andy goes. Oh, they did an no, interview. He no, interviewed Andy Murray for uh, the ATP uh, 
World Tour website. It's worth looking at, actually. It's really, really good. Uh, Johanna Larson against Petra Kvitova. Um, if you've got her winning the title, I guess you've got her winning that. Daniel Medvedev against Stan Wawrinka. That's a shocking draw for Stan Wawrinka, I'd yeah, say. that's not the best. He did well at Queen's. Uh, Venus Williams opening up court one. Love that. Uh, Rafael Nadal out on court one. John Millman. I think he's going to eat John Millman for breakfast. And then Joe Conta against Sue Wei Shea. I know I've picked her to reach the final, but I really think that could be very tricky indeed for her. Right, so Catherine Whittaker, covering her bets. I'm already in desperate trouble with my predictions. Uh, out on court two, Songa against Cameron Norrie. Uh, Nick Kyrgios Simona Halep, Marin Cilic. Yeah, I'm getting to that, hey, David. Court three. I'm, I'm worried for Nick. Well, hold on. Ebert had to pull out of Queen's with an injury, so that might help him. So did Kyrgios. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> it's so exciting. A limp, a limp towards the finish line. I also just want to quickly draw attention to Ash Barty and Alina Svitolina because I think Svitolina might go out there. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, She's I still agree. struggling with that foot and Ash Barty is a fantastic grass court player and in great form. Great form. Right, we've got to go. I've got to go. I've got to go on the radio. So we have been the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. We'll be back every single day during Wimbledon. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of nonsense. David's taken like eight Tennis Podcast selfies already today. Yes, and you're going to be seeing them. Uh, You can also get Tennis Podcast merchandise courtesy of the Tennis Podcast shop. Catherine Whitaker has just it's spent happened. It's all happened. of her years' income on I it. <laughs> Kitting out the Whitaker family that's in right. tennis podcast merch. But that's about it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Speak to you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.